Welcome to Hardly History. This is Cornelius and Jacob. Today, this is our very first inaugural episode, and we are talking about... Uh, history, essentially. History, and very uh, little about it. I know nothing about history. My history teacher hated me, and I fell asleep in class. I know a little bit about history because I occasionally watch documentaries and have taken the uh, occasional class in college. Yes, yes, yes. Why didn't you dig it though? I feel I feel like you thoroughly enjoy history. Yeah, I would have been a history major if it hadn't been for what I did choose to be, which yeah. is going into going into ministry. So, what yeah, made you choose I, ministry? Uh, I felt a calling, I guess. That's the easiest way to put it. That's the way most people understand. Um, other people will say that doesn't make any sense, especially if you're, if you're not, not a believer. Religious. Yeah, for sure. If yeah. you're not religious, well, then that just seems like nonsense. But yeah, yeah, I understand. Okay. Yeah. History to me has always been kind of boring, but I feel like when people mention like certain things, and I'm at the age where I should not be as ignorant as I am. Like I don't know shit about World War II. Anything that I've learned has been directly from you telling me and just like cool facts that i just decided to expel because i couldn't exactly. tell it to anyone else so exactly no yeah. one else will listen to me talk about it um so i decided that i would yeah tell you instead well i think that's why this podcast is was so interesting to me and you when we first started talking about it it's the idea of making it consumable for somebody yeah. especially people that might not do it or look into history so definitely neither of us are experts but jacob knows some shit I know very little, and I will play the role as the audience, and hopefully Jacob will play the role as the Grandmaster Historian. That's definitely not going <laughs> to never call me a historian. Uh, I have neither the qualifications nor uh, the information. Uh, may I call you Grandmaster? You may not. No, you can. Uh, <laughs> I think we should stick with the idea that I know just a little bit Just about a little history. bit, yeah. I think I probably know more about some topics than the general populace does. And when I say general public, I mean like people who may have taken one or two classes Standard. in college. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or they took... Well, most people don't even go to college. Yeah, okay, well, you're right. Uh, the, the general population who took some classes in uh, American history in, in, in high school. So yeah. that's yeah. I probably know a little bit more than those people. Yeah. I wonder how many people like actually... Like from that high school learning level... A lot of people must be at my level of understanding of history, you know? Yeah, I hope so, buddy. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> is, is our society doomed? Is America like we're doomed to repeat history if we don't know it, right? If we forget I, it? Nope. Nope. I think I'm more of a future man. I think we should look for the future. Fuck the past, you know? Burn, <laughs> let's burn these bridges. But everybody disagrees with me, so that's, that's why I'm here, to, to learn a to thing learn or two. To learn a little bit, of, a thing or two about history, that's why you're here. Okay, well, we can do that today. Let's do it. We what can learn we just here? a little bit about history. I wanted to start off the first Hardly History podcast with a story that I think most people know enough about, thanks to Zack Snyder, uh, the producer of the movie 300. That's what okay. he's most famous for. Well, I don't know if it's most famous. He's probably most famous now for, uh, for messing up the... Um, Watchmen? That and um, the Batman versus Superman movie. Yeah. I think he was the one that did that too. He still got his paycheck. Yep, that's true. And then I think he directed most of the new Justice League movie, but then they got someone else to fill it in. Take over. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the thing he's most known for is that 300 movie, I think. Um, it has, it's, you know, it's a beautiful movie. It's, it's shot in his style and everything, but I know that's probably what most people know about the full story so most people get like the general general basics they know that it's about spartans who kick people into wells yes. and they fight the persians, persians who are just this enormous empire um and most people probably wouldn't be able to tell you when it took place most people probably wouldn't be able to tell you 480 bc is that when it happens i think so really did you look it up on wikipedia or what uh i did a little research i didn't want to be like completely ignorant oh that's, so. fun. that's awesome you're bringing some stuff out. I, I think that might be what it was yeah because i don't even think i could have told you the exact date uh, yep there you go it was 480 uh, BC. january 480 bc and <laughs> bc stands for before clocks so 
that's kind of that's a fun thing for you to hang on to. <laughs> uh, I'm actually surprised that the Wikipedia article here says BC and not isn't it BCE now? They, they say before the Common before. Era because I think oh really yeah because now BC it, technically stands for before Christ right? I think so. I think that's what it yeah. And then the AD was like Anno Domini, which means like in the year of our Lord or something. I thought that was after death. No, it definitely does not mean after death. That is like a colloquialism. People think that's what it means. Really? It does not mean that, yeah. Um, actually, I, I, I said I thought what it meant, but I'm probably wrong about that too. Um, but it definitely doesn't mean after death. But now they use the terminology uh, BCE, which is before the Common Era, and CE, which just means Common Era. So okay. that's the way they describe it now, which... But AD exists. Yeah, get your stuff together. Yeah, no shit. Freaking Wikipedia. Okay, so, yeah, like I was saying, most people probably couldn't tell you when it started, but now they could because most people are listening to this podcast, hopefully. Um, most of America. Most of America is listening to this podcast right now. I gave you <laughs> I gave you <laughs> a cup holder that, or like a little, what, what is that called? A, a uh, coaster? Coaster. Specifically so we wouldn't hear you banging it on the wood table. I but... want them to know that I'm drinking, so. <laughs> well, they do now. Yeah, yeah. I think um, they probably assumed. Yep, okay. Well, um, so yeah, most people probably couldn't tell you much about it other than what they see in that movie, just because that's... It wasn't a giant thing discussed. Like, I'd never heard about it before Zack Snyder showed up. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it's still talked about pretty frequently in history. It's like one of the most famous battles in all world history, which is crazy to think about because it happened now almost like, what, 2,500 years ago? A ton of Like 2,500 years ago, and yeah. we're talking about these people, which is, I think that's absolutely crazy. I don't think... They would. I mean, what would, what would you what, what would you think if someone was going to be talking about you two thousand five hundred years ago or from now? I'd be pissed because they're probably talking <laughs> shit. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I hold a hope. Not a good no legacy. historical value right now. Okay, <laughs> just like that guy Corey. Yeah, that's the only guy from the year twenty seventeen we know about. <laughs> yeah, he fucked up enough to make cell phones obsolete. Like it's, <laughs> it's gonna be something crazy like that. <laughs> um, but. I mean, that's how badass of warriors they were, though. Yeah. The Spartans well, are known for, like, most people, if you don't know anything about, were Spartans from Rome? Where's that from? Greece. 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 What's, where's Rome at? Rome is also right around right, the same area, roughly. But Rome didn't have Spartans. Rome is in Italy now. Uh, Greece is still currently in modern-day Greece. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. Um, yeah, but we, like, compare Spartans to, a, like, a badass now well they're like the epitome of the modern like what warriors strive to be right like when you think of and it makes like, sense why they were that good because of the shit they went through well so that's something that's actually up for debate so really i mean it's not i mean the, the general consensus is that the spartans were i mean the best of the greek soldiers but that may be for a number of reasons. A of all, they may have just trained like absolute crazy they may have had a society that just catered towards that kind of thing um but there's also the idea that the reason the Spartans were so incredibly talented was not because they were uh, incredibly skilled fighters compared to everyone on the world stage, but just compared to the rest of the Greeks, who were mostly farmer people who trained like once or twice a year, um, and they would have these kind of battles because most of the other armies had like a really, or most of the other Greek states had like small, tiny armies, really tiny armies, and then they would be mostly fortified by like a militia. So like. Your average everyday farmer or merchant would then pick up his spear and his helmet and his shield, and he would go off to war with the army. So most of the armies were made up of like these tiny uh, kind of professional forces, and then you would have like a militia of just your general public. So Spartans are SWAT team. Spartans, well, that's how the other Greek states were. Sparta, and specifically, would have been they would have had like most of their people would have been like professional soldiers. Okay. Like, so their whole idea of a state was around Sparta. The yeah. They, Sparta. Sparta. Okay. How large was Sparta? Do you have any idea? Uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you, like, how large it is. It was a state? It's a state. So that's the thing about Greece, is Greece is not, like, a nation. It is, I mean, it is now. The Greece back then, 2,500 years ago, was not a single nation. It was a bunch of little city-states. So basically, you have a city that has its own government, um, and everyone in that city kind of belongs to that city. They don't belong to a greater nation or a greater country or anything like that. It's just a city-state. So the, the entirety of that nation is just a city. Does that make sense? Yeah, and wars will be fought between city these states. cities. Yes. Okay. So, and that's also a really another really important thing is that these um, 
city-states warred between each other constantly. So, I mean, you have a few years before the Battle of Thermopylae happens. Um, That's a, the battle we're referring the battle of 300, to. Yeah. So a few years before the Battle of Thermopylae even happens, uh, Sparta just kicked the ever-loving crap out of uh, Argo, or Argos, I believe, which is another Greek city-state. Okay. And so these Greek city-states are trying to ally together in order to stop an invading force. But meanwhile, they have all this baggage of just having beaten up each other. I mean, uh, so it's it's estimated like Argo lost something like 6,000 soldiers to Sparta. Kidderference. Kidderference. If you're wondering, by the way, sorry for this little brief interruption. This is my cat you're hearing now. She is deaf. Um, she has almost no teeth. And she's clawless. And she's a rescue cat about 10 years old. And occasionally she gets lost in our house. And occasionally she really wants to go outside. And so she just makes this awful moaning noise. I, I have a theory. It's, it's echolocation. This <laughs> yeah. is her, her trying she's, to fight her way. She is evolution happening right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. She is blind and now deaf too. I don't know how she used echolocation. Never mind. It, oh, she's, she's, she's deaf. blind? She's deaf. And, oh. She's deaf. Vibrations. Daredevil shit. I'm pretty sure she's deaf. Uh, we've tried just about everything. Like you'll snap behind her ears and nothing happens, or turn on the vacuum right beside her and she doesn't even notice it. So I'm pretty confident she's deaf. Yep, probably just deaf. Uh, I think I think we're good though. Yeah, she's kind of just a little upset that we're not helping her out, but she'll be back. So we were talking. Where were we? Uh, I was just kind of talking about how the Greek city states were definitely not. They didn't cooperate well. Most of them actually despised each other. Um. That's where the messengers came in. Yeah. So, well, that's that's something that we can talk about too, if you want. The, are you talking about like the marathon runner? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, human carrier pigeons. They had. That's essentially how they communicated with each other. Sent messengers. Sure. So, uh, well, one of the things you're probably talking about, the most famous one, I believe, is at the Battle of Marathon, um, which is another really important battle, and it's probably just as important. Well, I wouldn't say just as important, but it's it's, it's almost as important as the Battle of Thermopylae in the way that. If the Battle of Marathon hadn't gone the way it did, likely Athens gets totally destroyed. Democracy as we know it, pretty much destroyed. Because Athens is um, essentially the proto-democratic state. Like, it's the first democratic state we know about. Um, And at that time, they hadn't even really gotten into their good stuff yet. They hadn't really, like, formalized democracy, that we, I believe. So, if they had gotten destroyed at the Battle of Marathon, then... And maybe it would have changed everything. It would have changed a lot. It changed the Western We'd be world a as dictator. we know it. Ship. Or we, yeah, something like that. Or we might be all Persian or something like that. Or we're living under like well, Persian be better. Well, well, probably. Yeah. I mean, how are Persians? Are there Persians around anymore? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I wonder what their penises are like in the uh, the uh, the genres of penises. I'm serious. You know. You mean like like everyone knows. You mean size? Is yeah. That what yeah. You're talking yeah, about? yeah. Yeah. Like girth or or what? Girth. <laughs> Uh, you can have the longest dick. Nobody gives a shit. But if you got one of them uh, chalkboard dicks, <laughs> that's what the women are after, bro. And I feel like the Persians might have chalkboard dicks, bro. Um, well, I mean, they're around today because, I mean, basically when we say Persian, what we're talking about is like Middle Eastern people, essentially. We're okay, talking about yeah. the place like Iran and Iraq. Those would be it, it just got of, renamed basically. over the years. Yes. Okay. So Iraq, uh, uh, Iraq, Iran, Pakistan, these are all kind of places that were quintessentially part of the Persian Empire. You'd be looking at places like Syria as well, kind of. Um, okay. So yeah, these kind of places are all basically where Persia was. I mean, Persia was kind of centered around... At this time, their capital was Susa, which is a city that's not really around in the way that it was then. Um, but it's Babylon... It's all now, right? Um, I, can, I can take a look on you just to make sure to see if Susa is still currently around. I'm sure that has ruins, if nothing else. I hope you have this much knowledge about other shit too or else this is just gonna be a one-off podcast thing we're gonna have to find yeah. a whole new yeah, yeah. we're just gonna have to interview like <laughs> historians man because i mean you know a lot about this um but <laughs> so so yeah that's, that's persia is essentially in the middle east that's kind of that kind of gives you a great they're kind of like the eastern power here and greece would be sort of like western power that's how you like to think about it okay um the way the battle and the whole narrative is portrayed and this is something that's probably pretty important is we have very very few sources from the persian perspective 
almost all the sources in which again there are very few sources in general but like the one prominent source we have is a guy named herodotus who is known either as the father of history or the father of lies as some people call him um, because he was about the only writer back then really detailing all these events but he talks about them in a way that it's kind of hard to believe um, and he talks about things for instance that there's pretty much no way he could have known so for instance he talks about like what the persian king is doing and the exact words that the persian king is saying and he talks about stuff that's happening about a hundred years before him and stuff so i mean it's so just he's full of shit well he has his sources and he yeah. names them sometimes and so there's a good chance that not everything is 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 it's just bogus but he knows so many specifics and he seems to know a, a lot about certain things that we just don't we don't really trust him in a lot of ways. But we don't really have anyone else. So, What time period was this dude from? Uh, he is happening... Uh, he's born about 70 years after this Post war goes 300. on. Yeah. So that would put him right around like the 400s, I think, if that's how history works. Do we say, four, we say 480? 480. So yeah, he about the early 400s then. Oh, he was pre this battle? Well, so that's how BC to CE Oh, cr- I can't do that. Okay, so it works that's backwards so until it gets to stupid. zero and then zero up. Oh, okay. on, so yeah. yeah, well, yeah. that's a design flaw. If he had anything to do with it, he is a liar. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, so Herodotus, we don't really trust him, but he's about all we got. So we kind of have to go on what he says. And he's the one really telling the story here. Um, so whenever you hear that the, the Persians were either like incredibly decadent and that they were just like living this life of luxury versus like these hardcore manly man Greeks who were just total badasses. It's exactly how it was portrayed in the Yeah, Zack right? Film. And that's, that's exactly the thing. If you look at the Zack Snyder film, you see that the Persians are known, they're like effeminate. Gold chain. Yeah, they yeah, have yeah. chains everywhere. They're effeminate. South I mean, Park actually referred to the Persians of, as curves. They like that was their hideout was a curves gym. <laughs> <That's how laughs> yeah, so they um, they're really they, they're really effeminate in a lot of ways. They have like jewelry all over the place. They're really he, he portrays especially Xerxes as like really sexual, almost yeah. like metrosexual. Like he might not be straight, might not be gay, just whatever he's kind of feeling that day is kind of the way he's portrayed. Um, he's constantly portrayed as being in the harem, which is like basically hanging out with prostitutes that are part of his like entourage. They're like always with him. He just chills there. Yeah, he just he, and that's in happens in Game of Thrones a lot. Yeah, yeah. and um, he's constantly drinking like wine and stuff like that. I mean, he's just like drunk all the time, and he's shown as like this massive man too. Um, I mean, he's like incredibly tall, right? I mean, he's like six foot, I think th- like six foot seven is kind of like what they're thinking he might have been. So like this just hugely tall guy, incredibly wealthy, has the largest empire in the world. And he also holds all of the kind of uh, all the kind of ideals that are the antithesis to the Greeks. So the Greeks value freedom, and they value apparently democracy in some sort. Although the Spartans, oddly enough, did have a king; they weren't a democracy. But Sparta was fairly free. They well, I, I guess you would say the people were fairly free, but I, I it's kind of hard to tell. Um, I think. The idea is that they are their own state. They're not controlled by a bigger power, if that makes sense. Yeah. As where the Persians were effectively an empire of like 50 different nations or more. There was Just like all the so- best shit got passed up to Persia? Or? No. So like they controlled so many different peoples and ethnicities. I mean, they had people in, for instance, like in North Africa, they controlled Egypt. They controlled places in North Africa and even down into like Sub-Saharan Africa. They had territories. They had territories all the way in India and in Pakistan, all the way up and even further to the like the northeast and to the northwest. They just had places everywhere, and they they had. So they're balling. Yeah, I mean the Jews, for instance, uh, the, the Israelites were you know incorporated into the empire at this time. Um, so the empire had just sprung up, um, and it was massive, like. The largest empire that we had ever seen up until this point that we're aware of, the only empire that might kind of compare to it would be something like the Chinese, all, all the way over, um, even further east. But we really don't know much about what so they, they were doing were, then. They were outmanned the Spartans. 
by by a number. Yes. Exponential. Well, yeah. that's obviously the contrast of the movie, which yeah, is right. literally 300 people versus an entire army. Okay, so and that's another point that's that probably Herodotus, well, not Herodotus, actually. That's, that's kind of just a thing that we get lost in, um, is that Herodotus mentions that there's actually a lot of other Greeks there. I mean, there are thousands of Greeks at that battle, like kind of leading up to the battle and everything like that. Wait, fighting with Sparta? With Sparta, yeah, against the Persians. So that's just kind of a mess. I, I got lost when I was doing a little research. Like yeah. a Greek and Sparta are bros. So, well, the Greeks, I say Greeks, I mean, I, I include Sparta technically because they're Greek. So uh, Athens would be a Greek city-state. Argos would be a Greek city-state. Corinth, Thebes. There's a bunch of Greek city-states, and we kind of all just call them Greeks. Okay. But that's kind of... Greeks versus Persians. But that, that kind of unity is an afterthought. They didn't really have... And that's what I was trying to say earlier. They didn't really have the kind of unity that we give them now. They were like warring with each other all the time. They really hated each other. But they were willing to come to some kind of compromise. Some of them were willing to come to some kind of compromise to fight against the Persians. So you have actually, when the battle starts at the Battle of Thermopylae, you have um, a bunch of Greeks, about six, uh, a few thousand of them. And then just before the actual fighting really gets on way, and they can see the massive amount of Persians that are there in the kind of the sources. Like way more than they have, even with the Greeks. Probably. Yeah. So that's the way Herodotus tells it. He tells it that there's like a million Persians, okay. which is unbelievable. Probably possible. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that it's possible. I mean, it's possible that he had a million men in his empire that could fight. No doubt about that. He probably had somewhere around five million men in his empire that were, like, battle-ready, that he could, like, bring to bear if he needed to. But not that far away from home. Uh, so, I mean... This was substantially... This was a really far distance. I mean, yeah. if you think... So, if you're talking about... He's crossed over continents now. So, he's talking... He's gone... He's bringing some of his troops from Africa brought them to the Middle East. He's brought some of his countries from Asia to the Middle East, some of his countries from like northern, northeastern Europe down to the Middle East, and he's taken all of them and pushed them back into Europe. And I mean, you're talking like massive distances across, you know, huge rivers and across seas sometimes. It'd be nearly impossible. So the idea is, the idea is that even if he brought a million dudes is just we just can't fathom it. They'd have to the supply train, yeah, yeah. I mean, the supply train that he would have to have is just ridiculous. There's no way that he had a million dudes. That's what a lot of modern historians are saying, at least. I'm not saying that necessarily, but a lot of modern historians think that. Um, and a lot of modern historians also think that there's probably, like, the low number, the low number you would have him put at was somewhere around, like, 50,000. But that seems a little low. That seems pretty low. But even if we took it like somewhere in the middle, like we said, like somewhere like 150, 200,000 would be kind of more. A fourth of a million. Well, yeah. a fourth of a million, not five million. Yeah, well, still well, five million is, is like the total amount of people he might have in his empire that he could bring to bear at any oh, one okay. time. Yeah. Um, but that's never, that, no one is saying that he had five million men at Thermopylae. Not even Herodotus um, is saying that. He's saying somewhere around a, thousand, or a million soldiers and about a thousand ships, which is crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. I mean, a thousand ships back then, that, that's, that's more than any empire we can think of uh, at the time. Or uh, even afterwards, a thousand ships is just ludicrous. Um, so we're thinking probably somewhere around like a few hundred ships and somewhere around like two to three hundred thousand soldiers at max. Because when these ancient so sources, and you get this in the Bible, you get this in most of the ancient texts, where they say like a hundred thousand people, they don't, no one counted all those people really back then that like that um i mean to the to the persians credit they did have like a decimal system so they did they did count things by 10 but they didn't there, there was no way they counted a million men yeah or that herodotus would be able to verify that there was a million men there again this is happening more almost 70 years before he was even born let alone before he started writing it um the kind of idea is whenever they say a hundred thousand they mean a lot of people Whenever they say like a million men, they mean a lot of a oh, lot of people. Shit, yeah, there you go. That's the appropriate verbiage. Um, so we're not really sure how many people were there, but there's a bunch. Um, and they almost certainly outnumbered the Greeks. They definitely outnumbered the Spartans, who did have about 300 of their own guard there, including the king, which is pretty incredible. Leonidas? I think, I think so. Gerard? I think so. I think Leonidas is. I mean, that's that's the guy in the movie. Yeah. I don't want to give Zack Snyder so much credit that he actually knows. But Well, um, I, I actually read about it and. It seems to be him. Yeah, that's what they're thinking. Okay. They just say it differently. They say Leon is. 
Yeah, they, they have some different weird words for him, don't they? But um, um, another thing I, I th- thought was really cool that I stumbled upon is they were like the originator of the dog tag, which was pretty dope. That is incredible. So they would have a stick, and it had like two different markings on the end of the stick. They'd break it and leave it at the beginning of the battle. And then when they went to fight, if they survived, they'd come back and grab their stick. But if the stick was left... That half of the other stick, you know that that person died in war. That's super cool. So that's like primitive dog Way tag. dog tags, yeah. yeah. So how did they, do you have any idea like what kind of sticks they were? Like how did they know their part was? I mean, that's like, they have a lot of people in a battle. I don't know how you know your stick is yours. They color them um, Yeah, yeah. I think it was colors, but then they, uh, first 10 dudes kind of used up all the colors. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I mean, they had like what, like five colors back then yeah, anyway? Yeah. So. It only worked for like... Six people. <laughs> we only ever get six people coming back at yeah. every battle. This is crazy. We lose crazy about <laughs> yeah, every single time. Uh, yeah, that'd be crazy. So yeah, three hundred Spartans is probably pretty accurate. The idea is that a bunch of Spartans show up at the, or a bunch of Greeks show up at the battle, but then the Spartans realize that there's no way, even if all these soldiers say that they're going to be able to defeat these forces. It's kind of it's a mute point. So they decide that the 300 are going to stay back and that they're going to be the ones that fight the battle and that the rest of the soldiers are going to go on home and kind of prepare for the larger battle and try to get the rest of Greece to join this alliance. That, like, look, we saw the amount of people that are coming. They will wash over us like a tide. And so... Wait, so there were way more Spartans. Yeah, there's a lot more Spartans than just 300 of them. There's a ton of Spartans back at Sparta. When I think of Spartans, I think of, like... Oh, we took so much fucking work. Like, like literally a SWAT team or Master Chief. Like, they these were the chosen ones. They made it to the top. They climbed. So that's why it made so much sense to me that there were only three hundred of them. But th- this was well, so significantly well, larger. This was significantly larger, precisely because it's not like this kind of volunteer program like we have. So like you volunteer you're into born the military. Into shit, right? Yeah, you're born into it. It's like a society. So yeah, some people kind of compare it to like a almost like an experiment where like yeah. all the people in the society were like, well, let's see what we can do to make the most effective fighters that we know how to make. And so the whole society is kind of geared around that. It's crazy. Which is pretty cool. But oh, no, <laughs> I mean, it, they throw babies off of mountaintops get, if they look ugly. Yeah. That's the Zack Snyder thing. So just that's real. I read that. Okay. Is it, is yeah, it yeah. real? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, he has it in his movie. So just, just be careful. I think you, I think you have a vendetta with Zack. I actually, I've never, I'm not a big DC fan, so I don't really care that he like butchered the DC universe. Apparently. Oh, I was psyched when he did it. I'm totally Marvel, you know? Oh, okay, cool. Well, that's fine. But yeah, so I don't really have a big thing against them. I just know that that movie is like mostly flash over substance like oh yeah yeah it's, it's definitely that movie made. was begging to be made yeah it was though yeah. i mean it's the perfect it's like a screenwriter's dream right i mean like it's an incredible story underdog yeah with abs the they underdog, could have easily named it that. yeah they're incredible underdogs with abs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're incredibly uh, underdogs and uh was it like a speedo yeah 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 um i don't know fucking did it too <laughs> yeah i mean it's an incredible movie to make precisely because well Aval, the way Herodotus writes it, he's a Greek. So he's, like, hyping these people up, putting the Persians up to be, like, again, he's saying they have, you know, drastically higher numbers than they probably have. He's making them out to be these big bads, these evil people. You know, I mean, they're, like, these... I mean, he has... Some of them are, like, wizards. I mean, they're, like... He's very biased. Yeah, for sure. He's a he was a Greek person. himself, right? Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Um, so, yeah. Um, and that's kind of the way the story gets told is, especially from our perspective, because we're Western and we come out of like a democratic kind of ideal, right? right? We're a republic. Um, so, yeah, the idea here is that the Western states like the United States, like, you know, most of the European states kind of have this idea that the Greeks are the good guys, like the Spartans are the good guys fighting for our liberty, fighting for our rights. The battle for democracy happened 2,500 years ago here. You know, that's kind of the way it happens. And that's kind of the way I wanted to pose the question today is kind of, well, what is, what does our society look like if the Spartans lose here? You know? I mean, that's well, an interesting well, way to put it. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. Well, so, real quick question. Greeks, Sparta, those guys, were they like fairly, they're light complexion or were they 
compared to Persians? Were they darker complexion? They're lighter than the Persians, almost for sure. But then again, you have to consider that the Persians are not like a monolithic, single kind of person. Again, they're an empire that spans continents. They're, they're on three different continents. They're in Europe, they're in the Middle East, they're in Asia, and Africa. I don't know if you consider the Middle East part of Asia. I think they kind of did then. So. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, you have like essentially three continents that they're spanning here, you know, Asia, Europe, and, and Africa. And so, yeah, I mean, they have, you know, Africans who are as dark as you get. They have Aryan people from, like, Europe who are about as light as you get. They have people from Asia, people from India, people from the Middle East who are all different kinds of... So, I mean, they have... It was just a name that they put in themselves. Yeah, Persian was the empire. And then you have all these different cities and all these different countries that kind of ally with it. I mean, so the Persian emperor, the Persian king, Xerxes, Xerxes, at this point, goes by the name King of Kings. Yeah. Top dog. Uh, yeah, so Shanashah is kind of the way they would hit it, which would just mean king of kings, um, which meant like literally he was a king of other kings. Like there were other kings underneath of him who controlled their little individual provinces or other governors who controlled their states. For instance, I mean, there's a king in Egypt. Like, I mean, Pharaoh, it's like, at one point, the Pharaoh in Egypt was underneath of the Persian king. Xerxes. Yeah. Well, I mean, not necessarily not Xerxes, Xerxes. Yeah, but, but a, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there are, um, yeah, so there are pharaohs and other emperors who are beneath this Persian king. And so, yeah, I mean, he, he spans people. And that's one of the things that I think you could probably credit Zack Snyder for in the movie 300 is that he tries to show off kind of the diversity of the Persian kingdom. And also that was kind of the point is when Xerxes brings this many people to the battle of this many different ethnicities, he's kind of showing the Greeks Look at my empire. Like, I span the known world. I I have every type of people you can imagine owe allegiance to me. Um, you know, He was just good as it got back then, right? Xerxes wasn't, really. But, I mean, his yeah. empire was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was... And about, he was at the top of the empire. Yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, he's at the point where the empire is at its height. Kind of during Xerxes' reign and after Xerxes' reign, the empire falls. And then Alexander the Great comes in and kind of wipes it up and cleans it up. And he was Greek. Uh, he was Macedonian, uh, which is kind of right beside Greece, kind of related to Greece. He well, kind he was of, a thug, right? A sure. Ass, yeah. yeah, he was. He was incredible. He had an empire even bigger than the Persians. Would you say he's great? Yeah, he was Alexander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, that's exactly what I'd say. <laughs> um. And I think one point also that's kind of interesting here is that there are actually more Greeks fighting for the Persians than there are Greeks fighting against the Persians. That's what I wanted to ask you. Why why did everybody want to go against the Persians? Were they trying to take over Sparta and Greece? So here's kind of the backstory of what's going on. There are, in Macedonia, um, there are some city-states inside of Macedonia and right next to Greece. There are these um, Ionian city-states. Uh, called Ionia. It's like the name of the little place. They're actually part of the Persian Empire, and they're relatively close to, close to Greece. Um, they rebel, and they start saying, like, we don't want to be part of the Persian Empire anymore. We're going to throw a rebellion, and they try to throw off the shackles of the Persian yeah, Empire. Yeah, we're fucking sick of this. Yeah, this is bullcrap. Yeah. And so they go to Athens. One of, They send, like, an envoy to Athens, and they send one to Sparta, saying, let's fight against the Persians. Help us out. We need help. Free us and help us fight against these Persians. It'll be easy. You're Greeks. These Persians are wimpy, you know, no problem. And so the Athenians get all psyched up for it, and they're like, yeah, man, we're going to do it. And so they send a bunch of, like, ships over to help fight for Ionia, and they come up against the Persians, and they get their butts kicked. And, I mean, and again, the Athenians didn't really have a big navy. They had, like, 20 ships against the entirety of the Persian armada at that time, which was, like, 300 ships. And they just get... Floored. And this is when the Athenians kind of show up, the Greeks show up on the map for the Persians, because the Persians really weren't aware of them. I mean, they heard about them a little bit. But suddenly these Greeks come up and they start fighting the Persian, and the Persian king's like, the, at the time that the Persian king is Darius. This is all at the same time period. This is a little bit before. So, But pre, yeah, roughly in the pre. same time. So this is Darius, the, the, uh, the, the father of Xerxes, who's, who's having this happen. And so this, these Ionian states rebel, Athens comes to help, and Athens then kind of, you know, brings the rest of the Greeks with them in the sense that now Darius and the Persians know about the Greeks. And they're like, oh, there's a whole other territory over here for us to conquer. Cool. And so the Persians are pretty frustrated about this whole idea. 
that the Greeks came over and just started like pestering them and trying to fight them. And so Darius has it reminded to him by like a, uh, he has like a, or like an, an attendant, some like a, a service guy who's right next to him. What would you call him? Like a... Uh, assistant? Yeah, sure. So like an assistant who, who comes up to him three times a day to remind him to punish the Athenians. And he does this for like... Hey. <laughs> Isn't that a learned behavior after the first three <laughs> yeah, or four the, days? Well, I think the idea is that the, the the Athenians are such a non-issue in comparison to everything else that the king of kings has to deal with. His oh, empire so is got, so big. He's got a lot of shit going yeah, on. Yeah, he has a lot of stuff going on in his head, and he but he doesn't want to forget about the Athenians. And so he has this this uh, this assistant come up to him uh, three times a day and remind him. Basically, at every you meal. You said this is Persia, right? Yeah, okay. the Persian king Darius, the father of Xerxes. Xerxes' dad. Yep, um, and so he has him uh, come up to him and keep on telling him, you know, don't forget about those Athenians, what they did to you. You want to go up and kick the crap out of them? And he's like, yes, of course I do. And then he forgets about it by lunch or something like that, and he has to be reminded. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of how they get brought onto the map. Then, I mean, Ionia gets conquered again by the Persians. The, the rebellion gets swiped under the rug. It's no problem for the Persians. Um, and then the Persians say, okay, well, now there's Greece here. And... The thing, the misnomer is that the Persians are just this horrible empire that just tramples over everyone, and that they might have been fabricated. Are though. evil. Well, obviously, again, we have only the sources from the people who are defending against them, so of course they kind of look that way. But even to the Greeks, the Persians offer not to destroy their cities. So the first thing they do whenever they come up to these new cities, these new places, is they send an emissary, who's kind of like a messenger fr directly from the king, and he says. The Persian king, the king of kings, asks you for land and water. Give us those two things, which is to say... We're going to be taking over this We'll shit. take you over. Give that to us. Just give in to us. You can have your religion. Submit. Yeah, exactly. You can have your religion. You can have your king. You can have everything the way you have it. Your borders, everything. Actually, you'll be stronger because you'll be funded by the empire. All you have to do is submit and pay some taxes. No problem. Either pay taxes... Submit to us land and water, or we'll trample over you like the all-consuming flood that we are. And most of the places thought, well, this is actually a pretty good idea. And this is a pretty good idea because... If you they go, were cool with being absorbed. Yeah, most of the places were. And that's because they would also bring, these emissaries would bring in, you know, all these other peoples from all these other places and say, like, look, these people, are their lives are better under the empire. They're not, we'll defend you when marauders or barbarians come to break down your city walls. You have the full support of the empire behind you now. So you don't have to worry about invaders. You don't have to worry about, you know, money any longer. You pay taxes to us. We'll support you. And um, you also I, get... I got to say, dude, I do the fucking same thing. Right? You know? If like, honestly, like today, <laughs> yeah. if Russia came over, they're like, dude, fucking, what's your favorite food? I'd be like, uh, rallies, french fries. They're like, fuck it. I'm going to make it all day. Don't worry. You, you won't even die. Like, they're like, we'll make you immortal. All you have to do is pay taxes to us instead of what you're currently paying taxes to. Yeah, exactly. So, so I get French fries and immortality. Like, fuck it, dude. Yeah, and that's how a lot of these cities or saw it. And exactly. And, and not only that, but there's also like a culture in the Middle East. Because the people who were before the Persians were like the Assyrians. They're kind of like the first empire ever, maybe. Like the first real large empire ever You're right. that conquered people. Bigger than Persia? Yes. Well, no, no, no. Not no, bigger than Persia. No. But they're like a proto-Persia. Pre Persian. Pre -Persian. They, yeah, the pre-Persian. They, they weren't. Yeah, they were. They were much. They were smaller. Not, not a ton smaller, but they were. They were smaller. Yeah. Um, and they didn't offer people this kind of leniency. They just trampled. Yes, they said. Which is dope on Persia's part that they. So that's the way. If you I'm look a, at it, I'm a I'm pro Persia. I think, and that's the way a lot of like modern historians are trying to spin it these days. Is like, look, for thousands of years, all we've ever gotten is the Greek side of things, and because they were the only people to record it, right? Right. Yeah. Really. I mean. I mean, we have like obviously archaeological evidence now of what the Persians were doing and stuff like that, and we have some of like their Persians were like great record keepers for like taxes and stuff like that, and they did like excellent. Um, what do you call it when you take a, an account of how many people in your... Consensus. Yeah, they took excellent consensus. And so we kind of get like that kind of information, but we don't get like the story like we get from the Greeks. The Greeks right. were great story, story writers, especially Herodotus. And so we don't get that kind of stuff from the Persians' perspective um, or even really much of the Eastern perspective at all. Um, and that's because 
well, I mean, it ended up the Greeks kind of won in the end with uh, Alexander taking over everything. Yeah, but that was several years later, right? For sure. Yeah. The Persians destroyed the Battle of Thermopylae. So that's also Is a that, way. What's the name of Thermopylae. Thermopylae. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's also another way you can kind of spin it is too, is that the Persians didn't really lose here. I mean, they killed all the Spartans, 100% kill, act, kill rate. Even Leonidas. Yeah, they killed, With, they like, killed the Spartan. He was the last one standing, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> they killed the Spartan king. They, um, you know, invaded Greece pretty late. They took over a few Greek city-states. Eventually, Athens gets burned to the ground. Like They they ended up getting Sparta? They didn't end up getting Sparta, I don't think. Because uh, Sparta's oh, pretty so far Leonidas south. Won. I mean, like, the Spartans won. Yeah, technically, yeah. I mean, eventually. Because, I mean, this is the thing. Again, they're so far away from their homeland that the supply just, like, can't keep up. They eventually, got people got to go home. You know, yeah. like, and, and another thing... Or we, live in Sparta. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, but a lot of these people were, again, from, like, like places like Africa. Like, sub-Saharan Africa. I mean, they're thousands of miles away from home. Like, Super far. Yeah. They really want to go home. That still sucked to get there today. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing they got there. Yeah. Again, which is, like, the, that's so incredible that the Persians were able to put together a force this big. And, um... Gosh, I was going to say something really cool. I was going to say something cool, too. Oh, look at us. We're just falling apart. <laughs> uh, I was going to mention... Go ahead. Um, so how Leonidas, the fucking... Or how they say it in anything other than Zack Snyder's just movie... go ahead. Leonidas. Um, they... When they killed him, he actually died first rather than the very last. Because it's theatrical to have him standing there saying something <laughs> like... My country! And then, like, arrows and shit. No, that's not how it happened. He probably died, like... What happened was he was leading the army, and then arrow the head. Died first. And then his peeps fought for his body. Like... Yes. They went out of their way to fight to get Leonidas' body back. Like, go fuck yourself. If I, I don't care if it's my, my brother in front of me fighting for me. If he gets shot in the head, I'll be like, that sucks, but... That's just a corpse now. I would not go there. I wouldn't send more than one dude to go grab it if if there were nobody guarding it, you know? But they went and fought for his body. Go fuck yourself. I would not fight for a corpse. <laughs> which is, I think, another good point, which is that the, the kind of ways they fought back then were just Right, they were not, very loyal. Yeah. Well, and also just hand-to-hand -hand combat just sucks, dude. They had dope swords, but... And they had really long spears, too, which, yeah. I mean, kind of helps. But So that's interesting, is that the Greeks didn't really have archers, like, almost at all. So they had these little, and like... Persia was primary archer. Like, mostly archers, yeah. which is something that they innovated on and which helped them kind of conquer everyone, is most of the city-states, or most of, like, the places they were fighting against kind of had what was, like, a one-to-one -one ratio. You have 50% of your people be, like, heavy ground troops like fully armored as much as you can put armor on the front lines and the other 50% would be archers in the back and that makes like a pretty you know mobile unit um, that can like kind of be pretty uh, pretty flexible but the Persians were like mm, you don't really need that many people up front because ideally the people up front they don't have to fight anyone ideally the archers take them out before they ever get there oh wow and yeah. so yeah luckily you guys want to fight <laughs> They, they trade up their whole lives. They're like, you're not going to do shit. Yeah, you're just going to stand there and look real mean. Yeah. And you're just going to block the incoming, you know. The like, is, is my shield, like, big enough for my body? No. No, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's about it's about half your body. Yeah, maybe. You, you put that thing in front of your face, and then you just hope to God you don't get Yeah, it. once they get your leg, it's all, it's all downhill from there. Uh, no, so, yeah, they actually had really big shields. Actually, they did. The Persians had really big shields. Um, they had, like, these giant wicker shields. No, oh, yeah, which is shit material. Well, it's light. And it meant same that with they, their spears, wicker, wicker spears. Not wicker spears. I don't think I so. I read that. Wait, okay, maybe, maybe I don't know. Uh, look it up. I don't know. Well, I guess I don't have. Not you, them. Look it up. You want me? Okay. No, oh, I said talk, not you. Not the consumer. Okay. <laughs> consumer. Whoever's listening right now, you look it up. We don't. Yeah, I mean, we're not. Fuck. We're not pretending like we know stuff. Um, Could have been steel. But so they had like wicker shields that would kind of like fort, like fold together with other people's, and they would just form like this massive wicker wall. And they would stand behind it while the archers shot over it. And they would have, like, maybe 30 to 40% more archers than every other army had. And so every other army's cavalry 
would like come storming in and take destroy it. Right? And normally you wouldn't have enough archers to do anything about it because like they, they didn't have enough. But with Persia's new you know kind of uh, metamorphosis on the army having so many more archers, they just annihilated anybody who wasn't heavy infantry. And the heavy infantry just get pounded by arrows the entire way up, so they're exhausted. They well, have what, to move really what slow. What the fuck's heavier than archery? When I say heavy infantry, I mean you like, mean Spartans. So like people on the ground with like full Giant armor. Shield. Okay, yeah, okay, lots of armor. That's what I mean by heavy infantry. Okay. So yeah, the archers would technically be like light infantry. When I think infantry, I think of uh, um, propulsion. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I understand what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, so yeah, infantry just means like people on the ground. Oh, okay, cool. Not cavalry, like people on horses. Um, but yeah, so that's and that's kind of the iconic scene that you get in uh, Zack Snyder's movie is when he says, you know, our arrows will blot out the sun. Because, like, that's just a thing. Like, the Persians had way more archers than anybody else. I mean, they would fire roughly something like four to five arrows a minute is something they could get in. And each of them had, like, somewhere around, like, 100 arrows in their thing. So, you know, over the course of, like, a half hour, they're firing millions of arrows. Yeah. And they would just, like, litter a field. And you don't get through that unless you're heavy infantry. Luckily, the Spartans were really heavy infantry. They had these massive shields. And they had, like, these really thick helmets and everything like that. And they also had the Greek phalanx, which was apparently really good at blocking arrows. Phalanx? Phalanx. What's that? Chain? Chainmail? No, phalanx is the pre-chain mail. The phalanx is the formation, the battle oh, formation they were in. So it has nothing to do with chain mail. Nothing to do with chain mail, huh, but interesting. like chain mail, they link together. So you're on the right track, sort of. Like chain mail, it's still pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so they would link together, sort of, and um, they would have like this wall of their shields. And like in the movie, you would see them put their shields up. And it's they're literally like a, they're like a, a tank. structure. Yeah, yeah, they're like a building at this point. Which was smart as fuck. Yeah, we're really cool. And so this strategy by the Persians worked incredibly well against all the other kind of Middle Eastern, African, Asian, and like Northern European peoples who were either horse archers or who were just standard infantry like the Persians. But because they had more archers, it worked out for them. When they were fighting the Greeks, it did not work out for them. Because... When... Spartans were fighting the Greeks? When I'm sorry, did I say when Spartans were fighting? I meant when the I Persians. So. I, I meant to say when the Persians were fighting the Greeks, it did not work out for them. Um, Including the Spartans. Yes, because yeah, the, the Spartans the, and the Greeks. The battle that we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. So the, the Spartans. It's so fucking confusing. You said Greeks are fighting for Persia. Yeah, well, I mean, they are. So that's because, again, the land and water thing, a lot of they the Greek states. A good chunk of it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the Greek states were like. Either we're going to be neutral and we're not fighting the Persians because there's a good chance you're going to lose and we want to say, like, we didn't fight you. Just come and take us, like, if they lose. Yeah. Um, so they're all looking out for their own benefit. But basically my point was that the the Greeks were, A of all, it's not maybe not so likely that they were just incredibly better soldiers because the Persians did incredible things. I mean, they took over, like, most of the known world. So the idea that they were, like, bad soldiers just doesn't make sense. Uh, most historians think the Persians were actually very excellent soldiers. They had excellent tacticians, excellent generals, excellent people on the ground. Uh, it's just that in the kind of battles they were fighting with the Greeks, they, they weren't used to fighting people like the Greeks. Um, so There's not a lot of people like the Greeks. Well, A of, all, a of all, there's not a lot of people like the Greeks. In B of all, there's not a lot of terrain like Greece. Greece is really hilly, really mountainous. Um, it's not good for farmland, which is why the Greek city-states are always so small, because like it's kind of hard for them to support a lot of people. And so, which is part of the reason why the Battle of Thermopylae happens, the reason they fight there is because it's a narrow pass. It's really hilly terrain that you can't really get around. It's right next to the ocean, where you can't send infantry through anyway. And so it's like this really narrow pass where the Greeks kind of nullify the Persians' biggest advantage, which is numbers. So, the Persians, who decided where the battle takes place? The Greeks did. Why? Because they got why there first. Would, yeah, but why wouldn't the Persians just go to Sparta and take it over? Because Sparta's pretty far south, and so I think the idea is here. You're, are you thinking that the Persians brought all these people on ships? No, I'm thinking the Persians like 
traveled super hella far, right? Yeah, well, they did. And again, so they're traveling from east to west and a little bit south. So they're going like from the Middle East down east. Wait, from uh, east to west. And then they travel south down to Sparta, maybe. That's kind of east what you're thinking. to west. Yeah. And then south. Yes, that's kind of how they would have to go. Um, so they had to go through that pass? Yeah, basically. Oh, okay. They might have no been able to go. It. Not really. Um, they might have had to go around like mountainous areas, or they could have traveled through mountains. But when you have, as Herodotus has a million men, yeah, and supply trains to feed those, I feel like you hate men. Herodotus. Well, because he's just, <laughs> he's just not totally accurate. Yeah, I think, yeah. And that's what the most historians fucking would say. Herodotus. Yeah. He... But well, we don't really hate him. It's just we can't really trust him. But he's who's the only... we? Is it us? Yeah, people looking. Herodotus back the has been dead so long. <laughs> His bones are gone. Who the fuck cares? Let's just believe what he said. Well, because he's the only person to say it, so we kind of have to. He is full of shit, I promise you. <laughs> Everything he said sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, basically, they had to stay by the coasts because this, most of the supplies came on ships. And they couldn't really travel over really mountainous terrain because you just can't get, like, a million people over mountainous terrain. Yeah. Like, you just can't do it right. back then. Even now, you couldn't really get a million people over mountains. Like, it's just... It's not possible. Too many people die. It's not worth it. It takes too long. People starve up there. We have airdrops and shit. And then you have to have the supply trains, which are wagons and horses and camels and whatever else, traveling over those mountains too. And that just, again, isn't going to work. Um, so, yeah, the Spartans and the Greeks picked an excellent spot to have the battle, which helped A of all, like I said, nullify the numbers. B of all, it helped take away the, the primary advantage of the Persians, which is that they were fighting on terrain they didn't know how to fight on. They were fighting an enemy they would not really fought in all that much before. And they didn't know until they showed up to battle. Pretty much. I mean, they fought one or two battles with specifically the Athenians before that, again, at the Battle of Marathon that I mentioned a while back. But that's the only other real battle they had really fought that I'm aware of with um, the Greeks. So, you know, they weren't all that comfortable fighting them anyway, um, like they had been fighting the rest of the Middle Eastern states. I don't know, man. It just sounds like, how the fuck did, how did Sparta know how Persia fought? They didn't. They just like. Well, I mean, did they their heard shit. stories, yeah. um, but ultimately, the Spartans just arrows weren't really effective against them, and they just happened to be better than the frontline troops of the Persians. It is kind of like the simplest way to explain it. That's it in a nutshell. Is. Um, Persia also had excellent cavalry, and you couldn't really have cavalry in a narrow pass like that because the main thing about cavalry is they come forward, they pelt you with arrows, and they they run away. Cavalry is horses, horseback. Yes, so people on horseback mostly with arrows. Um, so they 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 run at you, they fire a bunch of arrows at you, and then before you can go get them on foot, they just bolt away, and then now you're exposed, and they come back and they pelt you again. And cavalry just wrecks people on foot, especially people in like a phalanx formation, because either you just sit there and let them pelt you, or if you try to go get them, you break your phalanx. I wonder who they had that at the beginning of their their shit, though. Of what? Love their phalanx. Who who had the phalanx? No, who who was at the front of it? Like as for strength, obviously the Leonidas was probably in the far back, right? I would assume so. Yeah, but. Well, somehow he died pretty early because they had to retrieve his body. But who would they pick? Was it like newbies too old? Also, I know you're kind of born into the the Spartan thing, mm -hmm. which, which sucks. Because well, I mean, it's dope that you survived the birthing because they just throw babies off cliffs, which is fine, I guess. But you spend your whole life fighting, and then that good like three first rows are guaranteed death. So, maybe not. And that's one of the things, again, we don't really know about. I mean, obviously here, the first three rows all died because everyone died pretty much on the Spartan side. But we don't really understand a whole lot about uh, battle mechanics, actually. Like, how wars were really fought. Like, did they really just ball up into a little phalanx and charge forward right into the enemy like driving spears. Like, like how we anticipate like it's your turn. Well like your turn. or they all just like clash together like that, like a wave, or did they really get kind of close to each other and then kind of human psychology doesn't really let you jump onto a someone else's spear just because you don't you really don't want to die and you know you're going to die. Like you're going to die if you charge forward anymore. 
So right, do you just right. not do it? And then it, everyone, it wasn't, and yeah. And so a lot of people conceptualize that maybe there's actually like kind of like a like a gap in the middle of the two forces of frontline people and people behind them are like throwing spears and shooting arrows or jumping out occasionally to stab and they get back in. But the idea that they all just come together and crash like a wave is kind of, it's hard for us to imagine and we don't really have any pictures or anything like that of it happening, obviously. Yeah, because so, cameras weren't invented until... And no one's really fought a battle like that. AD. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, no one, no one really fought a battle like that uh, for like the past three, four hundred years. So we don't really know how these kind of things happened. From our okay, so when we had the the lines and people with fucking load guns, like oh, yeah, the musket barrel rifles, yeah, 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 muskets. What was, what war was that? Was that Civil War? Or? Uh, I mean, yes, we did have them in the Civil War, but we where also you, had them in the Revolutionary. You just stand, revolutionary, where revolutionary you just stand war. line by line. Well, Revolutionary War, we didn't do that. Uh, <coughs> the Americans didn't do that. Because we were, we're not fucking stupid. <laughs> it's pretty dishonorable, is how the, the how the British saw it. So the British kind of... Not to stand in a line is dishonorable? Yeah, because they're like, what are you... This, me this dishonored, is a, bro. The, the, Go fuck you. <laughs> so the Americans kind of fought guerrilla warfare a little bit in the American Revolutionary War. Um, we, like, we were like inside houses and stuff. We are like peeking out of bushes and taking pot shots at people. Yeah. We would just run up, shoot, and bail. Yeah, and then that's the way to do it. <laughs> and uh, the British forces were like not used to that thing. I mean, when they fought continental forces like the French or like the Spanish, I mean, they would like line up. There's like a gentleman'sly war. Like you know, you kind of you fight. They, they fire the people you said behind the British you. British did this. Yeah, that's, well, that's how a lot of the European forces that's fought. Fucking insane. <laughs> it's, it, it's the same thing we were just talking about. The first line. I mean, even if they had that gap. It, the Spartans had that gap where you can run in between and shit. Yeah. British, no, they didn't have that shit. Yeah, because guns. Because guns <laughs> suck. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's fucking crazy. It's stupid. So how did we never really got to how this actually changed America for the democracy though, or how it changed the world, all of the Western societies really. Because I, I honestly, from what we, you and I went back and forth with, I have like way better understanding of Sparta. Like mm-hmm. I've never put this much effort towards understanding a historical event. So that's, that's very exciting about how this podcast could go. This is kind of my learning style and hopefully it's theirs. That being said, I have no idea how this evolved into where we currently are today. Okay. Well, essentially what happens is the Greek city-states survive. That's kind of the important thing. The broad strokes are the Greek city-states survive. Persia kind of kind of falls into like disarray. They have bad leader after bad leader. And they have a lot of rebellions going on all the time. Like everywhere. All the time rebellions. And they're just trying to spend most of their time squashing rebellions. And then a leader will die. And then 10 other leaders try to take that guy's place. And then the empire splits up. And then it comes back together again. It's just a nightmare. And that kind of gives the Greeks plenty of time to kind of just be on their own and do their own thing for a while. And buff up. For sure. And then what happens is um, Alexander the Great comes along. And he sounds dope. For some reason, I'm rooting for this guy. Well, yeah, you should. And he, he wins. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He definitely wins. Uh, what Alexander the Great kind of does is he gets control of Macedonia. And again, I don't know. I haven't done all of my studies on Alexander the Great or, or much at all. So I can I can just tell you again the broad strokes. Not yet. We can always sure. talk about him. Yeah, exactly. Maybe next. Um, so the broad strokes would be that Alexander the Great gets a massive empire, um, and he conquers everything the Persians conquered, and then some. And he does it in about 12 years or so. He starts... He just takes over. He starts about the age of 23 or so. He becomes Persia. Yeah, so exactly. Well, so one of his emperors, or one of his... um, I said emperors. One of his generals is Seleucid. This is the guy's name. And so once Alexander the Great dies, as he does around like 30-something, like mid-30s, he passes away. Yeah. So really? he, he he's on the he's on the scene for like twelve years. That's I mean, it. like not long. Like where he's like doing things, like actively doing things. Maybe fifteen at max. Where he's on the scene and he's actively doing things. So he conquers most of the known world at that point. Again, we leave aside China, and I always feel bad for saying most of the known world, except for like the massive population, which is China. Um, that was a barren wasteland back then. <laughs> definitely not. But uh, <laughs> so. Uh, so Alexander the Great conquers an enormous amount of territory at an incredibly young age, about my age, actually about our age. Yeah. 24, 25. He's conquering most of the known world. 
And you said he had been doing it. Well, at 30, he had been doing it for 12, 15 years. Well, no, at his like mid 30s, he'd been doing it. Oh, okay. 15 years. So, yeah, again, like he starts at the beginning of his 20s, ends around his late 30s. Um, and once he dies, he was such like a cult of personality. Like he was so integral to the empire, like his personality, the way he thought, the way he did things, that once his empire collapses, it breaks up into his four generals. Like his four prime generals each take a division of the empire into like four different slots. So they kind of divide the empire up. And then the Persian section of that empire becomes the Seleucid Persian Empire. So you Which get, still had Persians in it. Which was mostly Persians, again, because it's not like the Greeks or the, the Macedonian Alexander the Great takes over this place and all of a sudden it's just filled with Macedonians. Yeah, it's No, it's not what happens. He <laughs> takes over the leaders. He imposes his own government, probably run mostly by the same people who were working it before. And now it's just under a different title and they do things slightly differently. Um, and that's... It's just like electing a new president, except for he did it like with much more for, force. Yeah, he was kind Maybe, of, he was, I don't know. He was a little Trump bit more did. rude about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was a dick. <laughs> Alexander the Great was kind of... He was rude. Yeah. Um, he didn't give you the option. He killed you, right? Well, I mean, if you just straight up surrendered, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's kind of the that's kind of how most empires do it. I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna go about killing people who are gonna pay them taxes if they're willing to pay them taxes. I mean, most of these it people, wouldn't make sense. Yeah, yeah they just why, why would you, you could, do that? You could have a bigger army. You could have you, slaves. Yeah, like I mean, heck, yes, you, slaves. I, yes, I mean, not that I recommend slaves. I definitely don't. Um, not anymore, but back then, viable. It was very profitable to have slaves. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so Alexander the Great, I mean, even Greece slaves. Let me reiterate that any persian slaves greece slaves so when it comes to slaves you are I just, you're non-discriminatory that's right anybody can be a line slave. them up dude if i'm <laughs> if i own your fucking city and you might as well work for me okay well cool. let's just make it clear let's, that that's not how we actually feel about humans not today dude okay, cool. this I just is want to make pre sure that... this is pre-christ okay cool <laughs> pc <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Alexander the Great does that, and he, what he does—it's mostly what's his kind of like most important feature—is that he spreads Greek thought throughout all of the known world at that time. So he spreads like like this idea of Greek philosophy, of Greek government, Greek architecture, all that kind of stuff. He really liked the Greeks and the way they did things, and so he spread that everywhere else. And he had like I don't know ten cities or something like that, all named Alexandria, which had like. Greek architecture and stuff like that. So he was, he, that was his like big thing. And then after that happens, kind of the Romans come about. Um, and the Romans then are obviously all based upon Greek thought as well. So they kind of have like this, they're kind of uh, changing the Greek thought, elevating it to a newer place. And they start out as a republic, the Roman Republic. That's where Caesar is from, right? Rome. Caesar, yes, he's from Rome. Yes, he is. But he, what happens essentially is that... Um, and this is, I'll just move right on to Caesar then, sure. Uh, so, oh, wherever you're going. No, I, that's fine. I'm so just trying the, to come. Yeah, the Roman things. Republic um, starts and they do pretty well for a while, conquer a ton of territory. And then Caesar takes over. Um, he kind of declares like martial law, and Julius Caesar becomes the Roman emperor. And now Rome is no longer like a democratic republic, it's an empire now. And there's like one ruler at the top, which is kind of. Which whole, is Caesar? Yeah, which is Caesar. That's kind of like the whole antithesis of what Rome was supposed to be about. Like, they were super paranoid about the idea of one guy taking over, and it happens anyway. And so and there's like a Roman Empire for a while, and then Roman Empire kind of falls to pieces when barbarians kind of take it over, and that's a long time from then. Um, but then you kind of get Roman cities and stuff like that turning into just... And this is all slow build shit. Yeah, it's we're, a long we're, we're doing time. big jumps. I mean, we, we went from 480 with Sparta here in the Battle of Thermopylae. And what I'm talking about now is like... Where's Caesar? Like 1200s. Caesar is like like 150 BC, I want to say. Somewhere around there. So he's... What's 1200s? 1200s is like the fall of the Roman Empire. Like truly... 80? Uh, yeah. Like the true... Well, BCE. Or, uh, no, CE would be kind of... Yeah, AD. CE CE's common era yeah that's what most historians who are listening to us which I got I hope my historians are listening uh, <laughs> you and I feel different yeah they, they, they would uh, they would hate us oh I feel uh, yeah they got a lot of holes in our stories yeah they, they have their homework to do to just blow us out of the water yeah. but um yeah uh, they, they all call it common era the, the fall of the Roman Empire 
the fall of like the Eastern Roman Empire happens around like twelve hundred. Twelve hundred. So that wasn't of, very long ago. Yeah, I mean it's, they're basically done by then. But yeah, um, and then it's all just kind of city states, and then you start getting places like Britain and France and Spain and Germany all piling up after that point. So I, I think we have a lot of shit to talk about because you you know a good amount about Caesar and Alexander the Great. I like Caesar. I want to hear more about that. Caesar guy. is an incredible human being. I mean, when I say incredible, well, he's human, an asshole, right? Yes, 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 he genocided a lot of people. So, um, yeah. but well, his best friend killed him. Brutus, along and with somebody 27 else, twenty-seven other people. Yeah, they all stabbed him a bunch of times. Even Brutus. Let's not forget Brutus. Yep, that's the only one I know off the top of my head. Uh, what about Kevin? <laughs> There's a guy named Kevin there. Uh, Kevin was the first to stab Caesar. It was with Caesar's favorite ballpoint pen. And Brutus was the last. See, it was a bad day for Caesar. Are you just making this up? Uh, the first part, yeah. The Kevin part, yeah. But Brutus definitely stabs Caesar. Okay, cool. I was, <laughs> I was like, ballpoint pens? I don't think they had ballpoint no. pens. Like, that's <laughs> incredible. The Romans are really ahead of their time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, I think we're fair ending it. That's kind of how we get Greek ideas filtered through us. So, kind of Greeks to Alexander, Alexander to Romans... Roman collapse, and they kind of spread their ideas out to, like, the barbarians who end up becoming us. Us. I think that... That's big jumps. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm i excited how this turned out. This is a good... I mean, this did what I wanted it to do. Which I is what? Just educate you about these things, or...? Well, while you're educating me, I imagine the person listening could be being educated so what, what kind of education are we giving them i mean this is just i mean if you're if any of this is accurate i know a good chunk about what you should take away from this listener is that today we've told in somewhat patchwork fashion a story and we're not yeah. giving any sources um we're not quoting it we're not even pretending like we're being accurate um we've said maybe probably a lot and, I have zero knowledge. And we have uh, yeah, definitely been very humble about the fact that we know very little. But I hope you enjoyed the story as we've told it. I think that's a, a building block of our podcast. How little we know. How little we know. That's How kind of like the know. theme. That'd be a good name for the podcast. How maybe maybe we're, we're just going to change it right now. Maybe yeah. episode two is How Little We Know. <laughs> How Little We Know about Julius Caesar. <laughs> I actually like that. Yeah, okay, maybe it'll be that. <laughs> Hey, if you're listening to Hardly History and we changed the name to How Little We Know, go fuck yourself. Thank you for listening. This is Cornelius and Jacob. And next episode, we are going to bring you some more historical mayhem. I love you. You want to say goodbye? See ya. See ya. <laughs>